Okay. Let me do the intro and then we'll get going. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New York Islanders. And we are joined again by Dan Saracini of Lighthouse Hockey. And I have to say, one of the few good things about playing the Islanders 400 times in one season is that I get to talk to Dan a lot. And he's fun. <laughs> so, Dan, how are you doing? I am well. Yes, it does definitely feel like 400 times. But the Islanders just played the Sabres 150 times. So, I guess, you know, it's just that's the way it goes this season. I... I didn't expect it to be like this, but I miss other teams so much. Yeah. Like, I, I long for a Tuesday night game against the Sharks at this point. Like, that's literally all I want. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> those are fun, you know, and even for Sharks fans. Like, I'm sure that they're sick yeah. to death of the steady diet of Ducks, Kings, and whoever else. Like, oh, my God. I mean, didn't the, the Golden Knights play the Coyotes like seven games in a row? I mean, yes. I stop watching after four. Like, what's, what are you going to see at that point? It's out of control. So <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the stupid Islanders <laughs> that you love mm. and I have grown to hate in a way that I didn't expect that I ever would. <laughs> but here we are. So this team that I still can't figure out mm. has won nine games in a row. Is that right? Nine that games. Yes. Nine entire hockey games in a row. Now, granted, seven of those were against the Devils or the Sabres, but wins are wins. So (laughs) would you say that this not because a nine game winning streak under any conditions is impressive as hell. Would you say that it's because they've been playing the two worst teams in the Eastern Conference or are they actually playing very good hockey and that's why they're getting wins? Um, it's definitely not just because they're playing the Sabres and Devils. Uh, although I, I should put in a caveat, in about an hour, they're going to be playing the Capitals. So mm. by the time that the uh, Flyers faithful listen to this, that nine-game winning streak could potentially be ten games or it could be over. So, But still, nine games is, is nine games, like you said. Um, I, I don't think it's definitely not just because they were playing those two teams, although it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, the Sabres are pretty bad. And actually the three games they played in a row, uh, last weekend were all by the same score. The Islanders won all of them five to two. Um, <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were all the same game. Uh, at one point, you know, there was one game, I think where the Islanders were up four, nothing. And then the Sabres started to score and it was like, wait a minute. And then the Islanders got things right back on track. Um, the devils are a much harder out than the Sabres are. And in fact, um, you know, when a streak kind of gets to a certain length, you're kind of looking for to see, you know, how long it could possibly go on. And they played the devils three times. And in last Thursday's game, the first two periods, the Islanders were fantastic. They were lights out. They were it's probably the most Barry Trotz two periods I've ever seen under Barry Trotz in this entire time. The Devils had 10 shots on goal. I think one was coming from a high danger area and it was nothing. Now, unfortunately that was the game where Anders Lee got hurt and he's out for the foreseeable future, potentially the entire season now. Um, And then from the third period on uh, through the next game and then the next game after that, you know, it, it was a little bit too close for comfort to be honest with you. The Islanders won them. They came back to win Sunday's game in a shootout after the Devils had, apparently scored in overtime 
they called them all back on the ice because they called the goal offsides. It was very weird. And then they went to shoot out and the Islanders won there. So it's also been a little bit of luck involved too. I mean, I can't, can't deny that. Um, but this team is as solid as they've ever been. And, and, you know, if you don't keep those kinds of teams in check, they can come back and bite you. Even, even the Sabres who have lost a hundred games in a row, whatever it is, but uh, <laughs> they, they've played really well and they, and they've been doing the things that they've been doing, you know, for the better part of the last three years. It's just, they don't give up a lot of high danger chances. They don't, they, they concentrate on getting high danger chances. The goaltending has been good. They've been getting contributions from all four lines, even the third line, which, you know, has a rookie, uh, Leo Komarov sometimes plays there. Michael Dal Cole plays there. He never scores anything like, but they've managed to make it all work and guys just show up and play. So, you know, it doesn't hurt, but I am curious to see what happens this weekend when they play the Flyers for three games, uh, who are a good team that can do all of those things as well. Mm, you know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> So the Flyers haven't played the Islanders since late January when they had a back-to-back that they won both games in overtime. That was a wild time for all of us. It was actually, you know, for, for the Flyers and for Flyers fans, I think, it was two games that I think they needed to win to kind of shake off the negativity that came with last year's playoffs. Mm. For obvious reasons. And it was at that point that I think that we kind of all expected that the team was going to start moving in a direction not like this one. <laughs> um, but, the you know, the Flyers have, at the start of the season, the process was bad, but they were getting wins. Right now, the process is horrendously bad, and they're <laughs> losing. Um, so that's really fun. But... One of the things that I wanted to ask you, I'm glad you brought up Anders Lee, um, because one of the things, we actually talked about this on our podcast this afternoon, it it came up, I forget why, but Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic um, made a point about the Islanders that he kind of thought that they were a team that is a well-oiled machine, and when all of the parts are there, and all of the parts are working, it's hard to stop it. But you take out even one piece, one little piece of this team, and all of a sudden the machine doesn't work as well. With Anders Lee being out for, I mean, at least a couple of months, I would imagine, mm. um, do you worry that, that that is the case? Do you find that to be the case with this Islanders team, or do you think that there are players waiting in the wings that can step up and keep the team winning? So that has been the case um, with other players and um, if uh, everybody out there gets to read this week's edition of 31 Thoughts by Elliot Friedman, he talked to Adam Pellick, uh, who's one of the Islanders' top pair defensemen, along with Ryan Pullock. And last year, the Islanders had a 17-game point streak early in the season. They were firing on all cylinders, and then Pellick got hurt. And all of a sudden, for two months, they couldn't buy a win, which brought them to the 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 break and then when they restarted in the bubble Pellick was healthy again and all of a sudden they just went right back to being what, what they were mm-hmm. when he was healthy um his loss was tremendous um there was a year when Johnny Boychuk was hurt and th- actually that might have been pre-trots but uh it, or might have been Trotz's first year I'm not sure but like he's a guy who his absence was really really felt um 
Devon Taves, who now plays for Colorado, he basically got his chance when Thomas Hickey was hurt. And we all thought, oh, man, Hickey's so important. What are they going to do without him? Taves stepped in and was fantastic and is still fantastic. And just kind of priced himself uh, so fantastic that he priced himself off the Islanders. And unfortunately, Lou Lamorello had to trade him. He didn't want to. Um, when it comes to Lee, that was my fear. Was And the, the thing about that line, Barzell, Everly, and Lee, is that they've been one of the best lines in the league all season. Um, mm-hmm. Even when the Islanders were struggling, they were great. And uh, Lee in particular, you know, he, he's known as sort of the net front guy, but he this season he had been fantastic. He had uh, Arthur Staple at The Athletic had a great article about how he had done agility training with these guys out of Minnesota who don't normally work with hockey players, but he went to them like saying, I need to get faster. I need to get more agile. And this guy's like six threes, 200 something pounds. He's built like a, like a superhero, you know? And, and yeah. all of a sudden he's keeping up with Matt Barzell better than he ever has. And he had 12 goals this year and he looked fantastic. The whole line looked great. And so for him to get hurt now, is just, you know, gut wrenching because he had been having such a great start to the season. That said for two games now, uh, Kiefer Bellows has been in that spot almost by default because they needed a, a forward mm-hmm. and Bellows got, the ta- you know, he had been kind of uh, in kind of outs a little bit with Barry Trotz after a not so great showing a couple weeks ago. And he had been on the shelf essentially on the taxi squad for a month. And so he steps in and he scores three goals in two games. Uh, he turned a, a one game around all by himself, basically, against the Devils. And then he scored the first goal in the next game, too. So, uh, you know, I am worried about it. But, you know, Charlie's not wrong in that this is a team that. They all know their roles. This is year three now under Trotz. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows their roles. And in fact, when Bellows was taken out of the lineup, Trotz said something to the effect of, you know, he's been in all the meetings. He knows what he's got to do. He just wasn't doing it. And then a month off, <laughs> he came back <laughs> and now he knows what he's doing. You know, he's not perfect. Like he missed a defensive assignment, led to another goal. Um, but, you know, he even said, like, I want to get out there. I want to grind and and do what I need to do to get the team to to win. So everybody knows what they got to do. Whether or not they can pull it off is another story. Now again, that was against the Devils. Here come the Capitals. Here come the Flyers. They got the Penguins next week. Um, but they're also four zero against the Bruins. But that was again at home with Anders Lee. So um, I don't know. There's a. Uh, we were all afraid that they were just going to plug Leo Komarov in that <laughs> on the first time. And be like, oh my. That would have been bad. But you know, if Bellows can keep doing what he's doing, he's not going to replace Lee. But I think that that line could find success in a different way with him while Lee is out. Is it starting to feel, cause I think it was, um, the other Sebastian Ajo, he, mm. he came in for one of the games and like immediately got a point. Yeah. Is it starting to feel like, and I know probably as an Islanders fan, um, it's probably terrifying to have a thought like this because I can imagine it myself that I would have a, t- a thought like this would be terrifying. Is it feeling like one of those years for a team where everything just goes super right and they just roll all the way through into the playoffs with a combination of players playing well, but also sometimes, as you said, you just get lucky and that's yeah. kind of a, a bigger part of hockey than I think people want to admit that a lot of times the teams that are playing the playing the best and getting the best results are also getting super lucky. And when you put those two things together, it's kind of hard to stop them. Yeah, there's there's a lot to that. I mean, again, I I, <laughs> I did not expect I was watching that game on Sunday and they went to overtime and like 45 seconds into overtime. P.K. Subban scores. And like I said, the Islanders hadn't played all that well. 
And you just thought, well, you know what? This streak had to come to an end at some point. It is what it is. And I know a lot of people turn the game off. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Brendan, Brendan Burke was like, the Islanders haven't left the ice yet. And Barry Trotz is still on the bench. And then you saw the shot of the referees looking over the thing. And then they showed a, a replay. And Jesper Brad of the Devils was offsides as Subban crossed into the thing. And I thought to myself, this is like unbelievable like that this would happen. And it took a long time. They got the call. Devils fans were pissed off. <laughs> they were pissed off about an, an earlier call in that game, too. And again, the Islanders came back and won. And if I was a Devils fan, I'd probably be pretty pissed off, too. But, you know, like you said, you don't want to think of it that way. Like You don't want to think that your team's just getting lucky. But, you know, I'm I'm 45 years old. Like, I have an, an incredible depth of, you know, memory of all the th- things the Islanders have done that have been complete bad luck. Like mm-hmm. Andrew McDonald, who a guy you know very well. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can remember every single goal that bounced off of him and into the <laughs> Islanders' own net over the course of six years. I remember a goal every time the Islanders go to overtime. I'll never forget this. It was from the one year they had Thomas Vanek. And it was against St. Louis. They went to overtime. Vanek scored what looked like the game-winning goal, and they called it back because they said he kicked the puck in. And I'll never forget this because his foot was literally wedged in between the goalie's <laughs> pad and the defenseman's foot for, for the Blues. And I'm like, even if he wanted to kick it in, he couldn't have kicked it in. I don't know what they're talking about. But needless to say, they took the goal back. The Islanders went on to lose in a shootout. <laughs> and Vanek said something after afterwards like, well, I guess that's just how it is here. And we were all just like, yeah, dude, that's how it is here. Like, you just, <laughs> uh, so, so I don't want to think about the luck aspect of it. But you're right. It is hockey. I mean. Pucks bounce off of dudes all the time. Like how many how many fan bases claim that their team is always the one who gives up some guy's first goal or oh. first shutout? Everybody thinks that, right? The so, Flyers Flyers fans say that I think every single game. Yeah, it's just that's <laughs> we do that too. Like it just happens. Like oh, guy, guy's making his NHLW. Oh, he's gonna get a shutout tonight. Like it just happens. Um, so there is definitely an element of luck to it. Um, but you know, yeah, I think sometimes you make your own luck too. Like how many times have you seen Tampa Bay or, mm-hmm. or Pittsburgh or San Jose in those playoff games, you know, kind of get lucky a little bit because they were forcing the puck into an area where, you know, they were just trying to make something happen and that's oh, yeah. just what happened. So, you know, there's a little bit of that too. We're a little, t- it's, we're at the midway point of the season. So you don't want to call it like, oh, they got everything. This is all fine. There's there's still plenty of time for this thing to go completely off the rails. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so so far it has been, aside from that one, you know, stretch earlier in the season where I think the Islanders and Flyers played, uh, it's it's been fun, you know. It's been, mm-hmm. it's cool to kind of watch this team come together. And it's a it's a likable team. I know no Flyers fan wants to hear that. But if you, if you get into it, they are a, a pretty likable group. No, I'm, no, you're, they are a likable <laughs> group of players. It's just, you know. They keep mm. winning. <laughs> it's frustrating right. when your team keeps losing. But um, you brought up uh, the the t- top pairing of Pelic and Pollock, the two names that I don't know why they make me laugh, but they do. <laughs> Pelic Pollock. Anyway, um, I saw you tweet an article from the Athletic about them mm. right before we did this that I kind of read really quickly. Um, having a top pairing of two guys in their early twenties seems like a gamble (laughs) and it seems right now to be working. Like I I think the athletic article pointed out, like their underlying numbers aren't great. And sometimes they make, you know, the kind of big glaring mistakes that a 24 year old defenseman makes, but on the whole, it seems to be working. How, 
did that happen by accident? Like, did you mean, did, did Barry Trotz mean to have two top defensemen in their early twenties or is that just kind of, <laughs> did they fall into that or how did that happen? Well, so, well, so the article I, I sent out was, uh, was from a couple of years ago. That was a sort of Adam oh, Pellick. Okay. Um, Imagine you know, reading all of the words. That's all right. <laughs> um, it, it was, uh, but Pellick was in 31 thoughts this week and, and Pellick, I mean, he's only 27. So, I mean, you know, it's not like he's a hundred years old or anything, but uh, both of those guys. And, and I think Pollock is 25. Now Pollock, both of them have were predate Trotz's arrival. Um, they were mm-hmm. both drafted under Garth Snow. And in fact, you know, in 31 thoughts, uh, Friedman talks about how Garth Snow signed Adam Pellick to this ridiculous contract where he gets paid like, I don't know, like a million and a half dollars a year. And people were like, why are you paying this guy? He's barely played 50 games in the NHL. Well, this is why you pay the guy because he's pretty darn good. Um, and it's just a matter of the two of them kind of working well together. I think that's the thing about defensive pairs is like you find two guys that really work together. That's kind of what the loss of Devon Taves meant was that he and he and uh, Scott Mayfield really worked well together. Like they, the two of them kind of played off each other and Mayfield and Nick Letty who've been playing together this year don't work quite as well. It's not terrible, but it's also not great either. Um, and Noah Dobson and Andy Green worked really well last year in the, in the uh, bubble, too. I mean, D- Dobson is 19 and Andy Green is like 58 years old. So, I mean, how does that work? I don't know. The two of them, <laughs> they work pretty well together. Um, so basically, you've got Pellick, who is the, the defensive guy. He got nicknamed the Cobra by a former assistant coach because he, he uses his stick like Cobra. He sticks his stick out there and he's very smooth at just taking the puck away from a forward behind the net and just kicking it out to another Islander who sends it back up the ice. Pollock is a little bit more of a free range guy. Definitely the more offensive of the two. He's got this slap shot. We keep hearing about, he doesn't really hit the net that often. If you want a secret from, from me, uh, mm-hmm. so that the hundred miles an hour is great, but a little bit more accuracy would also be, I wouldn't mind losing a few <laughs> more a few miles an hour to get a little bit more accuracy out of it. But, um, you know, they just kind of work well together. And the fact that they're both young, they're both homegrown, they're both on fairly, you know, reasonable contracts. Pellet's contract is ridiculous, although he's a UFA um, in, in not not next year. I think he's an RFA this year. I think or a UF. No, he's an RFA this year, and I think potentially a UFA, you know, soon. Um, so he needs to be re-signed, and we don't know what it's going to cost because I mean, who who has a guy like that who's just basically straight up defense? I know he scored the other day, but it's kind of more like a novelty. His his value is on the defensive end of things, and the thing is too, like. Pellick and Brock Nelson are, I think, the two guys that have been helped the most by Barry Trotz. I feel like I may have mentioned mm-hmm. this before on one of our other conversations. Like, Trotz's arrival changed the fortunes of those two guys immensely. It changed the fortunes of the whole team. But those two guys in particular are completely different players than they were before he came. Like, the Pellick was a healthy scratch. Nelson was, you know, he was all right. He would have these streaks where he'd be the hottest player in the league, and then he would just go completely silent for months at a time now he's you know arguably one of the most important second line centers in the entire league nelson yeah. and you know pelic is one of the better defensemen so he, whatever he said to them worked and he, they have completely changed under him and so uh i don't see them you know going anywhere anytime soon but it, it's nice that he worked that because again they're young they're good they're cheap and you know they're gonna they see a lot of guys like Giroux, Voracek, JVR, like that, they're just in their face the entire game. And it's it's it, it's very comforting having them out there um, every game, you know. So hopefully uh, 
they can stay healthy because when Pellet got hurt, that was that was bad. That was very, very mm-hmm. bad. So one of the things that I think makes Flyers fans generally not look forward to games against the New York Islanders is that we have it in our minds. And I, I just want to know if you think that there's any truth to this at all or if this is just us inventing things because it always goes this way. We seem we see a team that interferes with its opponents so much <laughs> that the refs are like, we can't call all of these, so we'll just call none of them. And then it's like, <laughs> that's how they, they win the game is that they, they kind of you know, do interference constantly that doesn't get called. And that's kind of like how they are successful. Is that, I mean, obviously I don't think that you're going to say that's true. Um, (laughs) Is there any, is there anything to that? Are they doing a clutchy grabby kind of thing? So uh, after one of the last games they played, uh, I checked in on BSH and I saw our friend Bill, saying something to this effect <laughs> yeah. about the, uh, the Islanders. I, I will say this. I won't disagree about um, the physical nature of the Islanders' defense. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And when Trotz came in, um, you could see this is like a big deal for us because we're still talking about it three years later, all the things that he's changed in that time. But he said something along the lines of like what Al Arbor had said back in the early 70s when he took over the Islanders, which is like you could teach people to play defense. Like it's more about structure and the will to do this thing than, you know, goal scoring, which some guys just can't do and some guys can. And the being physical is definitely a big part of that. Like he talks about firmness and it's, you know, is phrasing a little bit there. But he Trotz always talks about being firm and like not, you know, being kind of wishy-washy when it comes to letting your man go. And nobody ever wants to see that. Like nobody ever wants to see somebody – you know, look at that Sabres game they lost last night, 6 nothing to the Caps. Like, nobody wants to see their guys, the entire team, get blown by by TJ Oshie yeah. without so much as being looked at, you know? And so there's definitely that physical element to the Islanders that that they take pride in and is a big part of their defense. That being said, uh, I don't know if I would necessarily call it interference. Uh, I would probably <laughs> call it, that sounds a little bit too much. I think I would call it interference with a purpose. Okay. So, like, they're, they're in the way. <laughs> Um, but there's a reason why they're there. Now, the other side of that coin is that the Islanders don't get power plays that much at all. They never get called. They never get calls that much. There's, you know, every once in a while, they'll have a game where they get like four. Mm-hmm. But that's usually sometimes there are weeks where they don't get four. And I'm sitting there going, you can't tell me that none of these little slashes and, and hacks and whacks aren't something in a different game with a different set of referees, you know? Yeah. And so I think that kind of plays into it, too, that their reputation for being that sort of, you know, tough defensive team also lends, you know, gives the other team a little bit of a, of repass too, and that they're not going to get called for things either. And, you know, the way the Islanders power play is going right now, maybe they're better off not getting power plays, <laughs> but um, you know, I do notice that that is the thing that, that comes up a lot. Like, why don't they ever get power plays? I don't understand. And they're like, you know, they're not a, they're not a team that just stands around, you know, they're in the middle of it. They're a very physical team. They're always in the slot. They're always in places and they just don't get called. So, you know, it's funny how you guys see it one way and I see it the other way. Like I'm like, you're like, they never get called for penalties. And they're doing all this stuff, and I'm like, they never get penalty. They never get power plays. They're doing all this. <laughs> other team is doing all this stuff. So, uh, you know, it is funny how that looks that way. But that is that is definitely by design. That yeah, they're that they play that way. That's actually really interesting because 
I mean, probably for obvious reasons, I never noticed that the Islanders don't really get calls going the other way. But maybe because NHL refs are insane and just like make up their own (laughs) rules that they've just decided, well, we won't call any of these interference penalties, but just to even it up. We'll let the other team slash and trip and yeah, hook and all that kind of stuff, which is like a very stupid way I mean, <laughs> to do any of this. But it might also be because, like, you know, my eyes are always on Barzell. Like, as soon as he hits the ice, I'm always, yeah. and so I'm very protective of this guy. And he, I don't know, I'm sure that you or, you know, Penguins fans probably feel this about their their guys, Rangers fans feel about their guys. He just takes in just an insane amount of wax on the hands and the wrist and the forearm the entire game. And I'm always just like every time it happens, I'm just cringing because that could be the one, you know, that that could yeah. hurt him. So, um, yeah, it, it does work that way. But, yeah, th- there was some kind of crazy streak. I can't remember the numbers, but like last year there was some absurd streak where they were like almost it was like an NHL record for the least amount of power plays gotten in a month or through a season. Like they had oh, wow. they had 20 something power plays, I think, through thanksgiving and the next nearest team had like 45 <laughs> oh my like, god what is going on right now? i don't understand <laughs> you know and it's like is it a conspiracy is it just them i don't i mean you don't again you don't want to think of a conspiracy against your team but boy it is weird i don't know so the most recent episode of your podcast islanders anxiety um which everyone should listen to because you're hilarious <laughs> you guys talked about how after all of this time I mean, I feel it's been years now that we've been looking at the Islanders and saying to ourselves, when are they going to stop winning? They're not good. Um, people are finally starting to notice that they actually might be good. And, oh, look at them winning games. Oh, by the way, right now they're first in the division. Um, as a Flyers fan, I've always found that as soon as expectations start to rise kind mm-hmm. of nationally around the Flyers – that's when things get terrifying. And also it seems like when things start to go wrong, um, which is, you know, probably just (laughs) something I'm putting in my head, but as someone who has been a fan of this team for a very long time, while they have been not good at all and no one's been paying attention to them now that they are starting to get a little bit of respect, how does that feel as a fan? Are you feeling good about it? Or is it a little bit like, uh, no, don't look at it. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for the plug. We really appreciate that. <laughs> there's there's a lot of Islanders podcasts out there, and so we try to we Mike and I bring our particular spin to things by just kind of goofing around for an hour a week, and you know, try not to take stuff too seriously. But uh, it is terrifying. Like that's the thing that we talked about. Was it just like, you know, we we spent a half hour talking about this team finally getting recognition for the. It took a nine-game winning streak for this team finally to get some recognition as being, you know, actually pretty good. And then they're going to play the next night, and the whole thing could just get blown to hell. Like, that's just how it is. Um, A lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, despite being in New York, the Islanders have an incredibly small um, press corps. You know, I mean, you guys have – there's like half a dozen at least regular beat writers of the Flyers, and they've had forever. I mean, there's papers everywhere that -hmm. cover the Flyers. Meanwhile, the Islanders have two. There's Arthur Staple uh, at The Athletic, who was at Newsday, and Andrew Gross, who's now at Newsday, who was who covered the Rangers and Devils before. That's pretty much it. You know, the, the Post, they send somebody every once in a while. Barry, or Larry Brooks talks about them every once in a while. Um, there's a ton of blogs and a ton of podcasts, but 
that's about it, you know? And so it never feels like there's really that much. And, you know, what Mike and I were saying was that we don't want them like put on a pedestal. We don't need them to kind of be, you know, uh, held up as some kind of like, you know, model franchise, but just being covered like any other team would be a help. Like it just, <laughs> they, does, they just don't get that. Like they're either really terrible or they're, hey, look, they're pretty good this year. And there's never really any in between. I mean, it was it took two years for them to, you know, somebody to write about the Islanders without leading off talking about John Tavares. Like, OK, yeah. we got it. Like we've all we all know what happened. Like we can move on now. Um, and and it, then it took another year for them to kind of get past like this team. This is the team that gave Leo Komarov a four year contract. Yeah, I know. Okay, we know about Leo Komarov. We got <laughs> it, you know? And so that's the thing. We just want our team talked about like a normal team. You know, we don't want them talked about the Leafs like like the Leafs where, you know, they call up a guy from the Marlies and we got to hear his whole life story for a week and a half. <laughs> he's, he's the savior of the franchise, you know, and so um, it, it, it is terrifying because, you know, it doesn't take much for them for you to go from up here to all of a sudden down there and everybody be mm-hmm. like, oh, this team stink, stinks anyway. You know, it's like, OK, well, maybe they were just really good for a little while and now they got to reset and go back. So. Um, it, it, but it's, it's been interesting to kind of watch the evolution of, you know, this team being left for dead three years ago and now all of a sudden they're in first place. It's and, pretty wild. Yeah. And they're getting more or less the same amount of coverage, you know? So it's like, well, well hold on a second. Like, this has been very <laughs> strange. I don't know why it went from down here to up here and all of a sudden, you know, really getting the same amount of, of looks, but I don't know. It's just, it's a thing that Mike and I are just kind of obsessed with. We always talk about it. It's, it's uh, that's why we, that's why we work well together on the podcast. <laughs> So you mentioned that the power play is bad, um, but given that they don't get that many chances to trot it out anyway, um, what is something else that is bad, <laughs> if anything, that the Flyers might be able to take advantage of if they notice it? <laughs> well, like I said before, Letty and, and Mayfield have been a bit of an adventure this year. Things have been better. I mean, when you win nine in a row, everybody's kind of been better. But if the, if there's going to be a... Uh, uh, um, sort of a weak point in the in the armor. It's there. Um, Sebastian Ajo is going to play again tonight. He hadn't played, like you said earlier, in you know three years, and now he's got back to back games because uh, Noah Dobson is on the the COVID protocol list uh, for the second game. So you know he came out of the box and he he scored a you know he had an assist, but then he had a, a giveaway later on in the game that led to a tying goal. So he's probably got some some things to work out too. Um, you know, the thing about the Islanders is you just can't give them a ton of space. And like a team like the Devils is not good. Like, you know, if you think the Islanders are a bunch of anonymous guys, you just look at the Devils roster. Like I look like half of them are like made up by, you know, EA sports or whatever. But uh, if you don't give them any room and you're, you know, right in their face and you kind of take away their their time and space to make a play, you can be successful against them. It's when they have the time. And I'm, I'm not talking about a lot of time. They just they just know where to go with it. And everybody knows where the other guy is going to be. That's the predictability that Barry Trotz always talks about. Um, for the Flyers, the number one thing they can do to help beat the Islanders is go to overtime because for whatever reason, they get to overtime and the Islanders just turn the puck over and lose to the Flyers every <laughs> single time. So I just that to me, that's my strategy. If I'm Alain Vigneault, I'm like, just go to overtime, these guys. Who cares? Like, what difference does it make? You give them a point, who cares? We're going to get the two anyway. Uh, it's, it's the getting to the overtime that I think is going to be a struggle for them. I guess. You could look at it that way, true, but... Yeah, I don't know, Dan. It's a mess for us right now. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, I I think that's all I have to ask you about your hockey team. So why don't you tell me? We'll just go with Thursday's game. 
what do you see the final score being? Um, I, you know, again, I, the, the, this happens every time. I think I pick the Flyers to win every single game. <laughs> I'm on with you. Um, and I, I will say this. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, it really depends on what happens tonight. I mean, if, if they yeah. lose tonight, I think there's probably a better chance that they win on Thursday. If they win tonight, I think there's a better chance they lose on Thursday. Um, I will say this. I don't think the nine game winning streak is really something to be really taken too much into account. I mean, the Islanders are really kind of a one game at a time kind of group. They, mm. they go into it. They, they're not, they're definitely not thinking about this streak and, and you know, they're going to go into that game as prepared to play the flyers as, as they can be. But you know, it's just, um, that's a team that gives them a lot of trouble. They're speedy. They don't, you know, back off. They're, they're not, they're not indecisive. That's the other thing too, that the Islanders do all the time. That's why their power play has been so bad is they, they have Nick Letty and Josh Bailey are both very good players, but they're also two of the most indecisive players I've ever seen in my entire life. They just, <laughs> they, they kind of play back and forth. So they get into trouble like that. So that's where the Islanders again, get into trouble when they're indecisive or they're kind of forced into something. So I, I don't know if I want to give a, if I want to give an actual score, um, let's just say it goes to overtime and somebody, okay. wins. I don't know. <laughs> Enough. Maybe they finally break the hex and win in overtime, and if it, or maybe the Flyers just win yet another overtime game, one or the other. The Flyers are playing the Rangers the night before, so I think the Flyers are going to lose. I think that the Flyers are generally exhausted right now. <laughs> yeah, I think um, that about the Islanders too. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's the point. Like, how is every team not completely right. exhausted right now? So that. Yeah. I hate kind of using that as an excuse as to why they look like ass right now. But this schedule is insane. How do do the Leafs have four days off? How did they end up off from Monday to Friday? Friday? How does that happen? It seems like this entire structure was made to get the Leafs like farther into the playoffs than they've gone in the last 20 years. Like that's the only thing that makes sense to me because it just seems like they have it super easy and everyone else is like dying on the ice. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so a back-to-back, I'm not super confident with the way that they're playing. Now, that said, now if they come out tomorrow night against the Rangers and are like a whole new Flyers team and they look lights out, you know, maybe that'll be different. But, you know, reality. Mm. So I'm going to say that the Islanders are going to win this game. I don't know that they'll win every game that we're going to be playing. No, I would not. But I would not bet that. No, no, no. Yeah. They'll probably, I think maybe the Flyers will get one. Which will be, you know, I'll take it. I was going to say the Flyers take two out of the three. But, okay. But mainly because this is what you just said. Like, they're just, this has been a crazy month. I mean, yeah. every, every, it's a crazy month for everybody. But, like, I just, I don't know how they're not exhausted. And then they have the back-to-back. And then the Islanders and have have a back-to-back with the Flyers on Monday. They play the Flyers Monday. And then they, they got to go to Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Oh, so boy. even if they do somehow beat the Flyers three straight, I don't know if they can then go into Pittsburgh and beat the Penguins that next night. So it's it's just brutal. I don't know. I mean, these guys are probably just dying for just a day off. <laughs> are the not... Islanders also, like, not getting any practice time in? Because the Flyers, like, yeah. have no time for practice. No. Trotz was even saying that today. He was like, we have not had a practice. We've not had, like, a meeting. We just can't. You know, they yeah. have pregame stuff, and that's it. But it's, it's absolutely wild. I will be very happy when March is over, though I don't know April will be that much better. But we'll see. <laughs> probably not. But... Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan, for hanging out with me again. As always, this was fantastic. Yeah, it's always a great time. No, no, no worries. You always give me a whenever you know. There are other Islanders bloggers out there. You, no, there's not. But we have this. Nah. This is so much fun that I would never pass it up. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so everyone should check out Dan's work on Lighthouse Hockey and his podcast Islanders Anxiety.
And follow him on Twitter at Culture of Losing because he's hilarious. Dan, I hope you enjoy the games. I hope the Islanders get to 10 tonight because why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> they can only help help uh, everybody else in the division, right? Keep the Flyers Yeah, down. right. I mean, uh, the Caps, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go Flyers.